All right. And which of the brothers would you want to marry? You know this. There's Maybe. one and one only person after my own heart. Middle child. It's Benedict. Benedict. All the way. He's artsy. Mm -hmm. He's funny. He's the one I would never pick. I know. <laughs> He's probably the one I should not pick. <laughs> He's the useless one. <laughs> He's an artist living in self-doubt, doesn't believe his own capabilities, needs to be babysat through every decision in his life. Why do you always do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Rhea. Hi, I'm Marilyn. And you're listening to Who Run The Time? Who Run The Ton? <laughs> and you're listening to Two Lady Whistledowns. <laughs> Let us recommence from the beginning. You're listening to Who Run The Time about the ton. And what is Who Run The Time, you may ask? Well, back in the day, two years ago, to be exact, Marilyn and I found ourselves in lockdown. And I'm going to go back to my normal accent. Together in an apartment with... Hadi, aka H, and Millie the Cat, and we decided to bring to you on this podcast feed how we ran the time in lockdown. And then lockdown ended, the pandemic continued, we got new variants, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen, the time continues to run, and we continue to run it, and we've decided to continue telling you what we do to run the time. Hello, Marilyn, how are you? I'm good, darling. How are you? Shall we go for a promenade? For those people who are living under a rock, we are going to talk about Bridgerton Season 2. That came out on March 25th. We already did an episode on Season 1, so go back and listen to that. Today we're going to talk about Season 2. This is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode. We are not going to hold back. And this is an episode where neither me nor Marilyn know what the other person thinks about this show. So it's going to be fresh off the press for the ton. Let's talk about... The cast. Let's talk about the narratives that they've chosen to focus on. Let's talk about the music, the costumes, the world building. And then we will talk, fight, disagree, align about the ending. I'll start off by saying, do I think you liked it or not? I think you liked it, but not as much as the first season is my prediction. I liked it until the last two episodes. Oh, wow. I have lots of shit to say about the last two episodes. I like this more than season one. What? There was a lot of fear that everyone had that because the Duke was not going to be in the second season, that it wasn't going to be as good. I mean, we knew for sure it wouldn't be as astastic, but... <laughs> Seven episodes in, I was like, where the fuck's the sex? There was an Anthony butt in like episode two or something. It was just like, uh, listen, guys, there will be butts. It may not be reggae Jean, but it'll be a butt. It was like a little Easter butt, like an Easter egg butt. <laughs> <laughs> More is to come. Sex is to come. All right. So that's my let's, general opinion. Let's talk about you. You like this season more than season yes. one? Please. Number one reason why I like it more. It turned more into an ensemble cast of characters and we got to spend more yes. time with different characters that are much more interesting than someone say like Daphne. I didn't feel like I missed the Duke. Like he was very brooding and hot, but brooding. Yeah, I didn't miss the Duke. It was fine that he wasn't there. And I agree with you. Actually, I find that the subplots were more interesting than the main plot. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Walk me through some of your favorite subplots. 
she is my favorite character, not because she's a feminist, because she's also a phenomenal actress. Is it Eloise? An ode to Eloise shall commence in this very second. She was not a diamond, but she definitely was an emerald of her own. Wow. Love Eloise. She's very smart. She figured out who Lady Whistledown was by the end of it. The actor does an amazing job, her physicality, the way she's quirky and her opinion on the tone and women's rights, but also she's very funny. Like, I love this scene where she was like, are we really shamed as a family because a woman decided to change her mind at the altar? And her mom was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> so I just <laughs> love her. I love her relationship with Benedict. I also am very interested with Benedict's whole side story in the arts and him going into mm -hmm. the art world. I wish we spent more time there. What about you, Marilyn? I'll give you two. I did not like find the way that the dad died to be particularly inspiring. It, I, I was like, Anjad the bee, beyond the way he dies. I thought the narrative of how the mother and eldest son deal with loss and mourning and the impact that she has on him and how time plays into it and how she's able to recognize that his emotional frigidity is caused by how violently she felt about the loss of his dad more than anything else and about the responsibility that befell on him and how she tries to liberate him from that grief mm -hmm. I thought that was like really well exposed that's my subplot number one I agree and that is a very astute observation and I think it was portrayed in a very real way that final scene between him and his mom where she apologizes to him I was in tears Beautiful scene. The other subplot that I didn't think I'd like when it was unfolding, but there was a single moment with a single sentence that made me go like, I'll take it, was the subplot of Lady Featherington and the cousin, them like plotting to swindle the ton, take their money for his fake mines in Georgia and how she plots with him all the way till the last second. And the thing is that in retrospect, you can see why she had the specific body language that she had in every scene. Because when he's like, all right, let's go to America to escape getting lynched by the mob. She, uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, there's this one moment where she says, I am a mother that felt like raw and real to me and felt like a mother would actually do all this crazy scheming to protect her daughters. Until then, I was like not sold on this. That specific moment gave us the true reasoning and motivation behind why she was doing what she was doing. Everyone up until then thought she was a frivolous woman who was just doing that for fame mm -hmm. and fortune. Why she was actually doing that was for family and which is a great segue to, I want to give a shout out to the matriarchs of this show. In a patriarchal society where it's normally the fathers that are supposed to mm -hmm. figure all this out and hand over their daughters, it's actually the mothers that are doing all that gaming That's so true. in the town because all the dads are either dead or just not there. So you mm -hmm. have Lady Bridgerton, Lady Featherington. Even the Queen. The Queen, Lady Danbury, who is technically not Love her. the mother, she's the aunt. Yeah, but she's the sponsor of the Sharma sisters. So all those women together showed that this was a matriarchy. It was always a woman's world. To the moms. Here, here. All right. What else do you want to talk about? So plots aside, music, costumes, world building, shoot. I could spend hours in that world. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the way they talk. I think the costumes, I was reading somewhere, they had a bit more budget this season. So everything uh, had more pizzazz. The music, they did more covers of pop songs, which was a lot of fun. What about you? Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, I love the music from season one. I think they, they're spot on to keep it this way. And it's really cool. And it allows you to feel like this world is very modern, even though it's Regency London. I also really enjoyed the balls. They felt more essential to the plot than last year's. Or maybe it's just my memory. But it's like no ball happened just for showcasing. Like yes. every single one of them had yes. a mood and an energy and an outcome and a key moment that was going to occur. Even the choice of which cover song was there was relevant. And Hig, they felt like actually big chess moves. They were definitely more plot drivers compared yeah. to the other season. Because also, if you think of the central love story in the first season, they were forced to get married midway through the season. And so mm -hmm. a lot of their interaction or the story of their romance happened more in their wedded abode. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, because Miss Shama, not Edwina Shama, but Miss Shama and Anthony Bridgerton, a lot of their love story was staring across the room to each other. And so they needed those balls to bring them together and then bring them apart and then bring them back together. Right, because in that period, the balls were essentially the only moment where physical contact was permitted. Exactly, exactly. All around great setting. I enjoyed my time there. I really did. I mean, until the second episode to last, I would have argued that the season was more mature. They were, as you say, they were developing the characters all over. And I really liked that. It created space for me to appreciate other characters. For example, for me, another amazing subplot was Colin. Oh, yes. Just how you see him grow. And yes. How you see him try to like experience the edges of his levels of comfort on different levels, whether it's investing the family's money, whether it's love, whether it's friendship, whether it's whatever, and you kind of see him become a grown-up, essentially, mm -hmm. on the side, without much drama, yeah. on his own, without Completely needing agree. everybody to be involved. He's the one that I'm most excited to see his season. So I think the next season is going to be Benedict. Yes, correct. And then it would be him, right? Or and then it will be him and then it will be Eloise. But I also read today that uh, Shonda is working on a prequel. On the Queen. Of the Queen. I was like, yes! Now, let's talk about the end of this season. Can I just say one thing before we continue? Please. This whole story is a warning sign, is a please do not do this sign of self-sacrifice and how self-sacrifice as a practice will not only hurt you, but ultimately hurt those around you who you are self-sacrificing for, Mr. Anthony Bridgerton and Lady Sharma, aka future Viscountess Bridgerton. Totally. I mean, first of all, so I was going to say we haven't spoken about the meat of the topic, which is the Sharmas and Anthony. And yes, definitely. Okay, this whole story of self-sacrifice and duty towards family and this whole theme is clearly the theme of the season. And both Anthony and Miss Sharma have a, a parallel sense of duty to their families. They're both the eldest. They've both sacrificed a lot. They continue to, to prioritize their duty to their family above their desires they also have a lot in common in terms of like their personality the strength of it their competitiveness totally see the match the thing is we did not need to wait nine fucking episodes or however long it was for this to happen actually what i love about the first season is that it doesn't end with and happily ever after i hated let me tell you with a passion i was physically 
upset at how this season ended. I thought that the right way to end it was for this happily ever after not to occur. I thought everybody should be miserable at the end of the season. And I have so much to say about how badly scripted the last two episodes were, regardless of the choice of ending. Who the fuck falls on their head, <laughs> bleeds to death on the grass, wakes up, doesn't ask for water, doesn't ask to pee, doesn't ask what the fuck their name is. No, no. They wake up after a week in coma, supposedly. That did not look like coma. That just looked like beauty sleep. <laughs> Whatever. That's just saying. She wakes up a week in. The only thing she gives a shit about is whether Anthony visited or not. Also... Who the hell spends 30 years being tortured about putting his feelings and desires ahead of his family, finally gets convinced by his mother that he deserves happiness, takes that ring out, goes to Miss Sharma, proposes to her, and, the, and she says, no, thank you, and just walks away. Like, who the hell, like, brought all of this courage with him only to walk away at the first hurdle? I have 10 more of these. Such a bad script. Such bad character development and understanding. No. All right. No. I love the passion and I agree and disagree with you. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back and give you some info that is going to probably make you more mad. Probably. So let's go back to the canon. Let's go back to the root text, which is the books. What happens in the books? Similar to what happened to the Duke and Daphne when Anthony and Miss Sharma, a.k.a. Kate, kiss, they mm -hmm. are caught and therefore are forced mm -hmm. to get married. And so they are in a marriage where even in their marriage, he tells her, I cannot love you because this is what love did to my parents. So I cannot love you. And then there was an accident. After they are married. Yes, after they got married. It was Miss Sharma and Miss Edwina Sharma. <laughs> I love saying both their names together in the carriage. And then he saves them. And he was so scared that something was going to happen to Kate. And that's the moment that unlocks it for him. Yes. And the reason why they've changed that was because it was too repetitive of the previous season. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that Whatever. is why. However, what I will add to what you say, at one point, I wanted Kate to get her shit together. I'm like, we get it. We get it. You have a sense of duty. My, your sister is telling you to go and your mother is telling you to go. Why and he is there. Hey, Anthony went around in fucking circles for... 10 fucking episodes. Both of them. They literally reminded me of Lebanese mothers. <laughs> if it was a love story between Lebanese mothers, I think this is how it would end. My frustration was with their indecision. I was like, okay, now they're going to be together. No, no, now they're going to be together. No, now they're going to be together. No, now they're going to be together. I kept pausing the episode. I'm like, how much longer is in this last episode? Because they're still not together. It felt like I was reading a romance novel written you were. for 13 year olds yes but see this is <laughs> an adaptation were. and it's yes. not meant to be watched by 13 year olds so the audience is now an adult audience right so no i wasn't and i was like why the fuck did you end it this way why the fuck did you end it and oh they went away for six months and now they're back and they can't keep their hands off each other yes. but they will go down to play whatever the fuck that game is called palmel palmel Look, I understand totally, but you know, I'm just saying like all of this and then they can't stop kissing each other. And by the way, how unlike the Bridgertons to just let them kiss and leave the game. That's very true. Like even that is not. But they didn't character. leave the game. Bella, everybody just walks away and they continue. No, they the kissed grass. and that was the end of the film. But then they were no, play but in the scene, the 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 family just says like, oh, these guys are not going to put We're going to move on. 
the last two episodes, it was like that was written by people who had not read or watched the previous eight. And they wrote the most generic ass ending. You remember those like, um, I don't know if you've ever read them, the red romance books that, that were around when we were, when, at least when I was a teenager. Hey, they're all like that. They're all about the woman and the man and they end up together for some weird circumstance and she wants him but he doesn't and he doesn't she doesn't and then Hick eventually they conquer each other and this is how it ends it reminded me of those books and yes. that was an utter disappointment it would have been nice if their union happened let's say even an episode before so that we had yeah. another episode of after because exactly I kept on thinking, I'm like, guys, do you really like each other? Like, why do you like each other? You know, or is this attraction? Wego. Because after a few months, are they going to keep that passion going? But Rhea, Rhea, I'm sorry, but you can't side with me now. You have to tell everybody why you loved it. I love the season. Nah, whatever. You were perfectly comfortable with the ending. Please defend yourself. I was fine with the ending because after having read what happened in the books, I was like, okay, are we going to have a, a repeated story of the Duke and Daphne with Anthony and Kate Sharma? That's number one. Number two, Hala, I do agree with you on the terms of it was elongated, their coming together. It was also very believable that people that are that self-sacrificing to the bitter end have to be shoved to get together. No, actually, what would have been believable is for them not to end up together and to be miserable. But that's not the, the type lives. of show that we're watching. I don't know that. The Bridgerton series is that it's the love story of each Bridgerton. But also, it's nice to see people end up together at the end. Oh, yeah. Let's just face it. Essentially, you're a teenager. Oh, come on. Can't we just have happy endings from time to time? No. Yes, you could have had a happy ending, but did it have to be so badly written? And it was not that badly written. Oh my goodness. I beg you to go back and watch the last two episodes again with this lens on and see every scene is a mistake. Every single scene is like, a mistake. Why? Yes, a because mistake? none of them are in line with either the reality of that character's situations or the character him or herself. Also, the queen being like, oh, the queen who's like vindictively pursued Whistledown for the past two seasons. Edwina publicly shames her, cancels her own wedding. Dude's about to marry the sister. Massive ass like scandal. And she's like, oh, Habibi, would you like to meet my prince? You might want to marry him. Come on. Like this is not on character for her, even if she was convinced by the charm and kindness of Edwina Sharma. She like, was. It's because it's also Edwina had this big moment, which was the wedding and the betrayal from her sister, which finally slapped her in the face and was like, I'm no more Mrs. Nice Girl and going to act this nice way. I'm not upset about Edwina. She's the only one whose character development made sense. All of them had this series of events happen to them where they had to change the course and they had these emotional moments. The romantic in me kind of enjoyed these star-crossed lovers who finally end up together. It's very soap opera-y. It's okay. Yeah, I felt like I was watching Days of Our Lives. Bravo. That's exactly what I felt, which this series was not meant to be like that. It didn't really piss me off, really. It, I, was, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself. I know the one point where I was like, but then I will tell you why I was like, fine. Anthony finally comes to Kate's bedside and was like, will you marry me? And she's like, no, and then leaves. And he leaves. And yes, he doesn't that, come back. At that point, I was done. like, this, this is so annoying. But then it gave for the ball where 
Kate comes in no longer wearing purple. Did you notice? Finally was her full self and then they got together and that was a great moment. I get you. I just think that could have been two episodes in and we could have had something more interesting happen towards the end. Yeah, I don't know when the episode, when the thing with the bee happens where she gets stung by a bee and he freaks the fuck out. It's like episode six there. Yeah, we should have wrapped it up. It's the classic style of love story for a lot of people myself included it works in the end because you're just like listen honey enjoy yourself but for me i was like i'm gonna slip my wrist at least the story with daphne and reggae jean was a bit dumb like that until they get married and then also becomes real and they're dealing with like real shit of what marriage actually looks like whereas here it's like excuse me but uh it started to sound like trey emily in paris at some point i was like and i will say i'm not convinced that they truly love each other and why they love each other. It's like one of those love stories. Yes, that's like, another one. Like at least with Daphne and the Duke, we saw them, they talked about art, they had shit, they spent time together. Yes, yes. And they learned to love each other in, the, in that circumstance. Whereas here, we don't really know if it's just they want to jump each other's bones or do they really <laughs> like, like each other and are they going to build a marriage? Okay, I have a question for you. Am I going to watch season three? Hell yes, I am. We're all going to watch season three. Which player are you in the Palmer game? If you had to be one of the characters in the Palmal scene game, which one would you have been? Um, who would I be? I think I would be Daphne. Oh, I was going to pick her too. She's the smartest one in the game. She's the strategy person. Everybody else just fucking around. Exactly. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to let them self-combust and I'm going to go for the win. All right. And which of the brothers would you want? To marry? You know this. There's one and one only person after my own heart. Middle child. It's Benedict. Benedict. All the way. He's artsy. Mm -hmm. He's funny. He's the one I would never pick. I know. (laughs) He's probably the one I should not pick. (laughs) He's the useless one. (laughs) He's an artist living in self-doubt, doesn't believe his own capabilities, needs to be babysat through every decision in his life. Why do you always do this to me? <laughs> Take my fantasies, walk all over them. Oy, oy, oy. What, you would pick Colin? Colin or Anthony, I'm not sure. Despite all of this, I still find Anthony to be a really interesting character. Also a good match. <laughs> a good match. You want to be Viscountess. <laughs> <laughs> like what I like about Anthony is that it w- there would never be a dull day. Which is actually what his relationship with Kate is all about. It's about they keep challenging each other. Nothing's ever easy with him, which is fun. And then Collins is, I think, the most... And the potential. Yeah. His character has the one to be the most diverse, tolerant, and not single-minded. He's a first principles kind of guy. Well, you enjoy your time with as Viscountess and principled partnership. And then me and my self-doubt buddy will be painting and creating poetry together. (laughs) <laughs> great enjoy that Rhea thank you all yours. I, I will take it interest. I love how by the end of people who listen to this episode are gonna be like wow Rhea is a teenager <laughs> who goes for the artist <laughs> who paints and doesn't know what she wants and listen everybody ladies and gentlemen je suis in therapy for a reason <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get you a t-shirt that says just sweet Benedict. 
I can't wait to see what the audience does with this one. They butchered me on the Gabrielle choice <laughs> of uh, Emily in Paris. <laughs> I have a final question to wrap this up. Shoot. Let's talk about the butts. We got two butts. We got the Duke's butts in season one and we got Anthony's butt in season two. I think we also got Benedict's butt, Rhea. We did get Benedict's butt. I liked his butt. I also think Benedict is really cute. Yeah, he's cute. Like he's very charming. I tried to find him on Instagram and I couldn't find him. Oh no. He's not on, but he has so many fan pages. It's like Luke Thompson fan page Spain. Luke Thompson fan page Germany. Luke Thompson. We should follow all of them, Ray. No, I did not. I don't follow fan pages. All right. So yeah, which butt is your butt? I don't think I have a very vivid memory. Going to Google Bridgerton male butts. Share your screen. Yalla. Yalla, Google being PG. Mafia. Anthony's kind of cute too. I mean, honestly, I think Anthony's real cute. I'm just trying to remember what the Duke's butt look like. Duke butt. The Duke's kind of cute too. But why don't they have his ass anywhere? The real tastemaker and winner of all of this is the casting director of the show. That is so true. She or he knows where it's at. Uh, I think I still would pick... Well, it depends. Am I marrying him or is it a one night stand? Okay, so the last episode we did on this, we did a kill fucker kill, Mary. Fuck, Mary. So I'll give you kill fucker Mary, the Duke, Anthony, and Colin. In which case, I would. Funny, I would kill the Duke. Marry Colin, fuck Anthony. The Duke was mega boring. Pretty face. Pretty face. But nothing else. Lots of drama come in. Anthony also has drama, which is why I would only fuck him and then I'd marry Colin. To have a principled marriage. Let's switch. So Benedict, Anthony, the Duke. Or Benedict, Colin, the Duke. Benedict, Colin, the Duke. I'm going to go with the Anthony one. Anthony's okay. more my type. I would still fuck the Duke. Marry Benedict and kill Anthony. Yes. Fascinating choices, right? At least we know that we'll never go for the same guy. I mean, I'm already married. I know. And I don't think you'd go for head. No, I wouldn't exactly. <laughs> I love him, but more as a brother. Okay, Rhea, with that, we shall get a lot of, you know, lash back from our audience about everything that was said one way or another. Now that we've reached the rear bottom of this episode. <laughs> with that, guys, we hope you did enjoy season one and two of Bridgerton. Do find us on Instagram so you can answer all of the questions that Rhea and I answered. Kill fuck Mary. Who would you have been playing Pell-Mell? And more importantly, what did you think of the ending? And which butt would you like to slap? You can find us on Instagram at whorunttheworldpod and you can email us on sayhi at whorunttheworldpodcast.com and we hope that you love both of us by the end of this episode. Because we love you, Arton. <laughs>